0: This episode is brought to you by Legalite. Legalite Horizons is a new model which enables principal level lawyers to join a recognized award-winning law firm and have access to support staff, existing infrastructure and systems, one-on-one mentoring, and still get to keep the lion's share of what they bill. If you're looking for freedom and flexibility to practice in the way that you want, but you could do with some added support, find out more at legalite.com.au forward slash horizons. And if you want a more behind-the-scenes look, go back and check out episode 24, where I spoke to Marianne about Legalite and about Legalite Horizons. You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hi everyone, Lucy Dickens here. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. Today, I am joined by Joel Cranshaw, who is the director of Clearpoint Enterprises. Clearpoint is a really interesting business because there are actually three businesses in one. Clearpoint Enterprises comprises a general counsel services firm, which is Clearpoint Legal, an R&D tax incentive advisory, which is Clearpoint Ventures, and then a legal technology platform, which is Mode Law. ClearPoint Enterprises is the parent company that binds them all together and that is led by Joel. So in today's interview, I talked to Joel about those three businesses to understand what they do and importantly, why he has chosen to split the business into those three separate entities. Three of the big things that I love from this conversation with Joel are firstly that he has recognized, not just once, but many times over, the need for A particular niche in a different market. And then he set about building a business around that need of those particular people. The second thing is that he talks about finding things that frustrate him and then setting about improving them. I love that because I always talk about frustrations as being opportunities for development and opportunities to make things better. And that is definitely the approach that Joel has taken here. And then, thirdly, and this is a conversation that comes up particularly towards the end of the interview. Joel talks about how he has established a business that lets him do work that he loves and how he has intentionally designed his businesses around that, changing the way that he does law to enable him to do it in a way that he enjoys, in a way that brings him meaning. Often that's something that we sort of downplay and we say that, you know, we're in business, we need to make money, we need to make profit, and whether we enjoy the work that we do takes a back seat. And I don't agree with that at all. I think that we need to intentionally set about designing businesses that both let us make money, but also enable us to do work that we love. And I really like bringing stories to you and sharing examples of people who have done just that. So enjoy the interview with Joel. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Oh, uh, pleasure to be here, Lucy.
0: Now, you're operating three businesses under the umbrella of Clearpoint Enterprises. Can you start by giving us a brief introduction to each of them?
1: Yeah, sure. So the the core business has always been a general counsel services firm, uh, originally called Clearpoint Council, but now it's called Clearpoint Legal. Mm -hmm. And about two years ago, in addition to that business, we were referring a lot of work to an R&D tax incentive advisor called Dr. Pavel Reddy. And he approached me and said, look, I'd like to uh, go out on my own. And I said, well, that would be fantastic, Pavel. You should definitely do that. And he said, well, on my own, but not on my own. Um, (laughs) You've given me a lot of work and I'd like to form some sort of joint venture with you because I'm a bit worried about doing it on my own. So I had this sort of seed sown where I was quite interested in his business because it wasn't law. Mm. That type of professional service for the sort of professional services that we provide, As lawyers and at the same time for my sins I met a a younger guy who had a startup law firm and one of our big problems in our firm was that smaller clients transactional clients were um, we weren't really geared up to to deal with them we traditionally serviced larger businesses and acted as their sort of first in-house counsel function or supplemented larger businesses existing in-house functions so when we were dealing with smaller businesses it was we found it very difficult to provide them with the type of service that they needed so he was building a startup law firm that had capacity to provide those types of services and he was exploring doing it uh, in an interactive way so using sort of form based documents and things and it's an area that i've been interested in for a long time so we decided to take on his law firm and stop it being a law firm and turn it into a technology company and any of the lawyering that needed to be done in the background would be done by Clearpoint Legal.
0: Wow, okay, fantastic. Now you've already in that in that introduction you've already answered uh, several of the questions that I had for you. So let's go back and unpack some of it a little bit. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was why you have set up with this umbrella of Clearpoint Enterprises and then having these separate brands underneath instead of having all of those things under one firm name. Now I feel like I've figured out the answer as you've been telling me the introduction but how about I let you answer the question instead of just assuming what the reasons might be.
1: Yeah sure so it was it, it came from the fact that I was ready in the Clearpoint legal business to promote a lawyer who had been met with me um, since she graduated from the JD at Melbourne University so okay. for about seven or eight years and I was looking at how to bring her on as an equity partner and the two other businesses were sort of arriving on the horizon at the same time. So the decision was really that she could become a partner in in the legal business, and it would become a joint venture between the two of us, and then I would spend my time with these two other opportunities, and so we became equal joint venturers, basically, in, in both ClearPoint Ventures and Mode Law. So it was sort of a decision to change my role, really, into being someone who was assisting the other two business owners to build up their business and at the same time thanking a, a long-time employee and, and and helping her to run her own business, which was my almost my old business, which was ClearPoint Legal.
0: Okay. And it was part of it or is perhaps still part of it because the other two businesses, Ventures and Mode Law, are not providing legal services. So is that partly to do with why you separated them as well?
1: Well, absolutely. We didn't We want them to be distinct businesses, and they, in some ways, it's, it's better if they are. And, mm. and it, there's, there's an advantage in working with three business owners. Um, we had grown Clearpoint Legal with a number of employed lawyers in a previous growth period,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and for lots of different reasons, that didn't work as well as this current model is. We're, we've got slightly more people in the group now, and we're much more profitable as a result of having people who, who have
0: ownership. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Now, let's talk about mode law. I want to start there. So mode law is about enabling smaller businesses, like you said, to have access to legal services, I guess. What does it look like? How does it work?
1: Yeah, so it's been a a bit of a a journey building a a technology to serve these people. There's actually a long history to this. I started dabbling in in technology for in-house legal departments back in London when we first started the first version of ClearPoint back in 2006. We'd, I'd come out of an investment bank where we built some technology. I then met some Germans who were building technology within Microsoft Office, and we actually built a prototype to manage an in-house department. So throughout my time with ClearPoint, I've been, always been very keen to build a bit of technology that makes the interaction with clients more efficient and successful from both the lawyer's point of view and the client's point of view. Yeah. And that became very Important for very small businesses because when we the reason we um, started to get so many small businesses was because we started working out of a co-working space in Melbourne and so I was surrounded by small startup businesses and initially I said to them, "No, we're not the right legal service for you. We provide in-house services to businesses who are ready and have enough enough issues on a monthly basis to pay us a retainer. And you're not going to be anywhere near that. So go and find another lawyer." But eventually they wore me down (laughs) and uh, I started. yeah okay I can do a little bit of work for you Uh, and then they became a huge part of our business and and in fact unprofitable but large part of our business because they needed so much attention and they were so price conscious that we were getting our prices pushed down and spending servicing them so we really needed to find a way of efficiently dealing with those people when they came and initially when I met Yule who's the partner in Mode Law he started doing some work for some of our larger clients because his uh, to supplement his law firm. And then any of those smaller transactional clients, we just said, oh, we don't do that. Go to Yule. Yes. And that started to work very well for us because he was geared up to do um, those small bits of transactional work very efficiently. And so that's when we made the decision to say, well, let's build a system, Yule. This is more about technology than law, really, because the lawyers can do this work. So it's a system where they can log and they can create a whole lot of template documents, and there's nothing really new in that. Lots of businesses are doing form-based template documents, but it's a system also where they can then book some time with a lawyer which interrogates the diary of the lawyer that's that's available to look at their template document that they have created and, and, and give them some advice on it. So the templates by themselves are not legal advice. There's just a template document that mm-hmm. has received advice You can then book half an hour and get it reviewed, and the lawyer will either say you're happy, we're happy with that, and then you've got a document that's had legal advice, and you can go away and use it, or they might say this is completely the wrong document for you. You've you know you've made a mistake. Here's a quote for us to do
0: whatever it is that you need the
1: right document for you, or go away and do the right one and come back. So it's it's the whole idea of it is kind of putting the legal work or control of the legal relationship back into the client's hands. They decide when they want to see a lawyer and how much they want to pay for that and without having to get into a situation where they go to a lawyer and pay for initial consultation. They can do some of the work, get themselves up to speed so the lawyer has all their information at hand and hopefully speed up the transaction. That way we can keep it very compartmentalised and charge little fixed fees along the way rather than them getting charged with a big investigation of their whole business, if you like.
0: One of the challenges that comes to mind for me and one that I know from speaking to other lawyers that a lot of people are grappling with is this distinction between providing legal advice or providing information or just the provision of documents as opposed to the practice of law. And I'm interested to hear how you have dealt with that with mode law, particularly given that you're providing legal documents, you're providing these templates that they can access themselves online online. And then it's optional as to whether or not they want legal advice. So have you got disclaimers? Is it some sort of limited scope of work? How are you tackling that issue?
1: Yeah, so it's really basically in the terms. So the document that they create is, as lawyers, we worry too much about that, that Mm. it's legal advice. Because we're not actually saying anything to these people. We're saying this is an employment agreement. We're not saying that it's suitable for your purposes. If you want it to be suitable, you need to book some time with a lawyer to tell, and they can tell you. Mm. And then then you've got legal advice. And the way the system's set up enables us to know when a document has been reviewed by a lawyer or not. So when they create the document, it puts it into their account, but they have to download it to do anything to it. So there'll be no changes to that document. And if, if they get legal advice, the lawyers can go in and change that document and you'll see that the lawyer has changed that document and therefore... Uh, If the lawyer has made a mistake, which none of our lawyers do, obviously, um, then we can rely on our our liability for for whatever mistakes we made. You've got a record of it. Mm,
0: Fair enough. What technology are you using? I know that's something that everybody will want to know. Have you designed it yourself? Are you using someone else's? What are you using?
1: We've explored lots of different technologies through this process, and we were hoping to use some existing technology, really, to build the basis of the platform. But nothing quite suited what we wanted to do, what our vision for the product was. So we ended up building it, and it's really interesting. We ended up building it in a very basic WordPress site with a whole lot of different plugins and technologies in the background. So at the moment, it's a smorgasbord of different technologies that help us to create documents and manage the subscriptions and do the sort of things that it needs to do in the background. We made that decision because we didn't want to do a full scope build. Because we do a lot of we give a lot of advice to software developers as lawyers, and we know what's involved and the cost and of building your own platform. And the stage we're really at is the beta testing stage of this thing. So we decided to do it as cheaply and as efficiently as we as we could. And through that process, we've found some really quite amazing developers who can do things in. Using by using plugins to WordPress uh, and backend database systems that are freely available. So basically, we've adapted a, a, CR, a database that's typically used for CRMs in the back to provide the data for the users. So one of the key points of our thing is that you don't repeat yourself when you're filling in documents. So your business, you it has all your business information, so it pre-populates your business information. You can change that, but it is pre-populated in the document that you're creating. And then, if you're doing it for a person that you've already done it for before, so if it's an employment relationship, you might do a series of different employment documents for someone. Or if it's a master services agreement and you're doing another services order off it, and you're doing the same services order for an existing company, then it records your customers and suppliers in the background so you can choose them and you don't have to pre populate their information again. You know? So, what we're trying to avoid is data duplication. Yeah, And that just uses all of these. We do have an intention to build a version of it once we've. Prove the concept which will be built in a different technology probably it's more robust and can deal with a lot more users but at this stage we are at a point where we're quite happy to use the prove the concept using a lot of pre-existing technologies that are knitted together, basically.
0: What I love from all that you've just told us about Mode Law that you identified a need in the market. You said these are people whose needs, well, firstly, we're not servicing and then we start to service them because we can see that we need to, but we realise it's not making us any money. So we figure out how we can do it differently in a way that suits them, that solves their problem and that makes us some money. So there's the first thing, which I think is brilliant. And then in terms of how you've set it up, you haven't just looked to existing technology that's being provided in the legal space. You've gone out into the world and you've said, this is what we need and where can we find something that's going to help us to achieve it? And then thirdly, that you haven't gone and spent massive amounts of money on developing this thing until you've tested it. Because I speak to lots of lawyers and they always want the technology at the beginning, right? They want the thing that does everything that they want and they want it on day one. And I get that. I understand that. But I, like you, think it's much more important to actually test the concept and see, actually use it, play with it in real life and see how you want to use it. Because how you want to use it in practice probably looks quite different to how you intend or you imagine you might use it before you get started. Did you find that?
1: Absolutely. I think we've, it's been frustrating because we have been knitting together yeah. And it takes time. And so the time period has been, I know Y'all is very frustrated and, and I'm starting to get more frustrated as it takes longer. But having been involved in this stuff for a longer period of time, I'm sort of used to that process. I know it's, it's a bit like building a house. It's never going to go to plan, right? You're mm. never going to get your house up exactly as, as you expect it to do. So, yes, I think the testing, and I think the important point actually is that this software is not for lawyers. Yeah. It's for businesses. It's, it's a, for businesses to use to make their relationship with lawyers better. The vision for it is that ClearPoint Legal won't do all the lawyering on, in the back end of this thing. In the future, it'll be the client will choose their lawyer uh, and it'll be up to the client to say, well, we, we like using the system and if, if, if you want to be our lawyer, then we'd like you to do it because that would mean that their lawyer would be, I mean, a lot of clients use lots of different lawyers, right? So mm. they might say, I want to book time to talk to my immigration lawyer and I want to be able to use this system to do it so I want the immigration lawyer to plug in to the book a meeting or I want my commercial lawyer or, or my employment lawyer to adjust my employment agreements so part of the thing is you can you can use the templates but you can also get us to build your own templates in your own system so if you get reusable documents like an employment agreement you can have your own branded agreement with yeah. your own content in it in in the system so other, You could use whatever lawyer you like There's a vision from the future. We're, we're not quite there yet. So at the moment, ClearPoint Legal is doing all the lawyering at the back end. But we hope in the future that it's going to be a standalone system that's not about the lawyer. It's about the person choosing who they want to use to do their work.
0: Which is exactly how you started this, isn't it? You said it's about putting the power back in the business's hands in terms of the way that they want to consume legal services.
1: Yeah, and I think it, it, it probably comes back to my frustration over the years with the relationship between clients and lawyers. It's neither party's fault. I used to think it was the lawyer's fault. I think it's actually neither party's fault. I think what the way that over time started to interact because of the structures we've put in place about how legal services are provided, it means often the client will come for a piece of work and have a price expectation. Lawyers will tend to estimate, uh, I don't think lawyers estimate very well, some better than others, if the client causes more problems, then it, the bill becomes bigger. So the lawyer then goes, "Well, you know, you, you, I estimated two grand, but you're a painful client, so I've had to I've had to spend four grand to explain this to you, and then I'm giving you a bill, and the clients then complaining again because it's more than they expected. So there's all that sort of interaction, and it and and the client doesn't understand how much work's involved and why they've been party to the increase in costs." And the lawyer's frustrated because they told the client this and then the client's been painful. And then they're, they're, if they have to reduce their bill to keep someone happy, then they, they feel like they're losing money. So it's those sorts of tensions that we want to try and avoid by making the relationship more efficient so the client knows exactly where it stands and what it's getting. And the lawyers can provide it because they're getting the information they need. And it's helping the client to interact more effectively with their lawyer and vice versa.
0: Mode Law is quite a different business than to Clearpoint Legal, which is more like the it's the outsourced in-house counsel concept. Is that right? Yeah. So how does Clearpoint Legal operate?
1: So Clearpoint Legal basically grew from the fact that I was an in-house counsel for most of my career as an employee lawyer. I drifted into that space because I didn't really love operating in the private practice way. I found the formality of it, uh, the timekeeping. I wasn't, as a young lawyer, very good at attention to detail. I I learned that over time. But I I, I found the whole process reasonably painful. And I actually started as an in-house counsel, bizarrely, before I was in private practice. So I had been managing legal functions and getting people to provide me with advice before I actually ended up giving the advice myself. And so I I was kind of asked about FACE in my career. um, And then I drifted back into in-house counsel as soon as I could because I liked the freedom of being able to give advice without a time constraint. I liked managing issues down to being, focusing on the risks to the business and interpreting legal concepts to business people rather than actually deep diving into the technical. yeah. And so that suited me better. And then, after a period of time in London, I ended up in an investment bank, being their general commercial counsel. And we merged just before the last financial crisis. So <laughs> we're talking 2005, the heady days of 2005. And uh, we, me and 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 the guy that was heading up the banking and finance legal division, were given. Everyone was given big packages to stay and then to leave. And so I had been talking to him about. I quite like being an in-house counsel in one organisation, but the only thing I miss from private practice is the variety. We don't get to see what other people are doing. Yes. We're sort of institutionalised yes. and a lot of our job is dealing with the politics of the organisation. Uh, it would be quite nice to have a, a company that just we just provided our services to a number of smaller businesses and gave them access to sort of good quality in-house counsel advice. So when this merger came along, he said, we should do that thing that you've been banging on about. And that's how ClearPoint started. So it really was just an idea of bringing in-house counsel advice to businesses who didn't quite have justification to have a full-time in-house counsel yet. So it was a bridging thing. And then it's grown into relationships with larger businesses where we assist their existing legal departments in time pressure. So when they have requirements and they don't have enough headcount to to deal with the issues that they're facing – um, then we've got a number of clients where we've got good relationships and we understand the business very well. And there's a number of lawyers in our organisation that we can just drop into their business and, and they know us and we know them. And, and half of the battle in in house counsel is not the technical nature of the legal work, usually, it's, it's just understanding the organisation and how it works. Mm. So if you've got that ability to understand an organisation and they know that they know you and you know how they work, it's a very easy service to provide for someone to go down and help them for a period of time. The other aspect of that is that we are very strict on how we provide that service. So we don't provide the service as a three days in the office type service. We will have some contact time, but it's better for us and better for the client if we can spread any of the work that we're doing for them out over the week. So we have a we tend to have a sort of a, a limit of one day in the office with clients, and the rest of the time is carriage of matters externally and flexibly which works very well for us in times like this people have to work externally and we're already set up to do that
0: feeling inspired but unsure how to translate that inspiration into change in your firm or maybe you have ideas to shake up your business but you're having a hard time implementing them well I can help after 10 years leading law firm development and change I'm now helping others to do the same My coaching programs are designed to help you redesign your business to create a simple but significant and sustainable business that will skyrocket your success. Let me help you do law differently. Visit lucydickens.com.au forward slash coach to find out more. What's really coming through, both in the way that you describe ClearPoint Legal and how that came to be, and also in the way that you have explained about these businesses that you are running yourself is a real sense of business savvy. Like you've really got your business head screwed on. You're a business person. Where did you get that training from? Have you done formal business training, or is it just something that you're good at? Where's it come from for you?
1: Thanks very much. I've never really thought of myself as a, as, as having huge amounts of business savvy, to be honest. But
0: every second word that you say, I'm like, this guy knows business. He knows what he knows what he's doing here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it comes from being an in-house counsel. Actually, I think as a lawyer, you get a lot of exposure as an in-house counsel to how businesses operate. You get to see everything throughout the business, right from you know HR to back offices. Of, and I've moved in different industries as well, so that's why I like the variety. So um, the decision for me was: well, do I keep on moving around because to keep myself interested in these businesses and be involved in one, or do we set up a business where I can see those businesses? happening, you know, and 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 because one of the big things I took away from moving industries as an in-house council was that they actually there's often not a lot of difference between them. It's just the terminology they use. And actually you can take things from working in a technology company and apply it in a banking and finance company and vice versa. There's ways that people do things. You go, wow, that would be really useful in that industry. And so the fact that you can see those things happening, I think makes you better lawyer and probably has trained me to be a business person I think a lot of people miss that and I think it's one thing that we talk about a lot as in the house experienced in-house counsel is that you do become a business person because you have to because you are translating constantly between the law and the business and so you need to understand how the business works quite intimately and how the law works and how that impacts on it so that's that's probably why I still I'm still not completely convinced that I have a business set but
0: Listen back to this podcast. Maybe that will convince you. (laughs) Now, I want to touch on ClearPoint Ventures just because I feel like we should. We should have a little bit of a chat about all of the three businesses. And I wanted to ask you how it came about, but you've told us that in the introduction. So instead, I'm interested to know what have you learned from creating this business that is very specific and has a very refined niche?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's been very interesting from a professional services perspective. So I, I sort of view the three businesses. I see Mode Law is a software company. It's quite different in that way. So it's, but the other two, Clearpoint Legal and Clearpoint Ventures are professional services businesses. And they, they need to mark their relationship businesses, basically. So they market in the same way and they do things in the same way. The really remarkable thing about Ventures is that the purpose of it is to help businesses obtain tax refunds effectively, or at least tax huge um, reductions in their their tax bills. And so it's very easy to sell it to people. much easier than legal services, which people sort of see as a reluctant cost. I mean, I sort of have to have this, but I don't. I have. To, it's not going to make me any money. It's going to cost me money. Whereas the the tax incentive is when Pavel explains it to people and says, you know, there's an opportunity here. We need to we need to make sure that you're only claiming what you're eligible for, but we need to maximise what you're eligible for too. So, and the the potential is really good cash flow boost to a business of your size and stage. People's eyes light up, and it's almost like you know I, I, this is such an easy sales pitch because you're you're doing something that benefits their bottom line immediately. And look, in law, we do do that, but no one really understands that. When we help people commercially to get a better outcome, we're actually making them money. But it's hard to explain that to people. They often will see it as a sunk cost.
0: And it's harder to quantify in law as well, isn't it? Whereas with the tax, I imagine you can probably put a number on it far more easily than you can with the kinds of things that mode law, for example, are helping their their clients to achieve.
1: Yeah, so we tend to focus on cost savings and in law. And I talked about this with someone else. I know this is going to make the clear point legal, but when we talk about in-house counsel for a start, because that's the very, very, where we're involved, promoting yourself in a business is quite difficult. You have to sort of say, well, you know, we've got a department of so many lawyers. How do we say to the board, well, look at the value we're providing. And and you can just do a numbers comparison. This is how much work we do. This is all the things we've dealt with. And this is how much it would cost you externally. But that's kind of not apples with apples in a way. You'd have to take some margin on that to say, well, we're still saving you a hell of a lot of money because we're doing a lot of it internally. But it's not just the cost saving thing. And there's a lot of extra stuff that in-house councils do around businesses and explaining things and and guiding the board. You know, there's a lot of discussions about moral compasses, but there's a lot more from a business perspective that they do, which is kind of intangible and hard to measure. So it's very hard to sell that. And when you're selling private practice services, well, people just see it as like, I don't want to talk to them for too long because I know they've got the clock running and it's going to cost me a lot of money. And often it's not commercial, even chasing debts. You know, you're like, well, I've got a debt that I'm chasing and now I've spent half of it in legal fees. So it's much easier getting money back in your hand business than it is selling legal services. Although people come to you for legal services because they feel it's necessary so and they'll keep on coming. That's probably the main difference. Also that even though he's a registered tax agent the regulation and the insurance requirements are so much lighter than are required for a law firm. I think we get uh, I think we get the reason that one of the big reasons that legal fees are where they are is because we have a very inefficient risk mitigation or insurance situation going on where you know I've never made a claim my entire career uh you know charged the same as everyone else
0: yeah and it's expensive <laughs> the insurance is expensive
1: why would you have more than one partner because you all of a sudden you get charged twice as much i mean it, it just doesn't make any commercial sense to me mm. which is unfortunate because it means that it keeps that's it, a big part of keeping legal fees higher
0: what's one piece of advice then that you would leave us with for somebody who wants to do law differently
1: I think that doing law differently is still a tip of an iceberg at the moment. I think that's hard work. i would never I would never not do law a little bit differently because I needed to do it to, in a way that I would remain sane. If I'd become a, a traditional law firm, I would be a very much crumpier individual, I think. So I changed the law to suit the way I like to work, so yeah. flexible working the way I like to give advice. So a lot of it's about the way I like to do things, and thankfully, some other people like to do it that way as well. However, saying that, if I had stuck to the traditional law firm method, I think I would be significantly richer than I am today because playing around with pricing and trying to um, change things um, is not a way to make a whole lot more money. I think we've got now to a point where we're finding the balance in that, but it's taken some time to... So when you change something, you've got to expect a little bit of pain, I think.
0: Yeah, but it does come back to the thing that you started with, which is saying that you change law to suit your lifestyle. So Richard, I mean, you could consider that financially, but you could also consider like you and I were talking before we hit record about the fact that you have designed your career and your businesses in a way that let you be home with your children and spend time with your family. So you started from that point that that was something that was really important to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, that is obviously a, a driver for me. Of the advice is that if, if, if the driver is to make as much money as possible out of something, then that may not be for you to do it differently. You might want to stick to the tried and tested methods. However, you know, sometimes it's an investment because the way we charge now, with the beauty of it is maybe not in terms of the numbers we could have made by charging by the hour, for instance, but we now have retainers across those businesses and, and, and I've used a lot of that methodology in ClearPoint Ventures as well for, to sort of change the way that they char- he charges in that space is informed by the way we changed our charging in the legal firm. But we have ongoing retainers now, which gives you some comfort and some ability to plan for the future. So you might lose a bit in the in the early stages of the business, but as it builds, and you've got this consistent income and these consistent relationships, which means that you've actually got about uh, probably a business that's worth more in terms of multiple because you've got an ongoing relationships that will that have lasted for a number of years that are consistent amounts of money coming into your bank and and when people value businesses in terms of multiples uh, they look at those consistent incomes which is very different to a law firm where you have clients who may turn up or may not Uh, you may have a huge amount of clients that you but you don't know when they're gonna need you so much smaller multiples generally in those businesses
0: and isn't that reassuring in times like today where we're just heading into some serious uncertainty in the economic climate to know that you've got those really strong relationships and that you've built that up and that's going to provide you with some level of consistency in the coming months when there's also lots of uncertainty.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, I still think that we're completely uncharted territory at the moment. And the only reference point I can really give from my career is is the previous financial crisis, which is Mm. pales in comparison to this one, I'm sure. This is going to be a lot larger than that. But we didn't, as a business, we didn't suffer at all in that crisis. We, um, the type of work that we did changed. We didn't lose any clients. They all survived the crisis, but the fees that we were charging stayed con- pretty constant. So that gives me some faith. Although this, like I say, this is a different beast. I'm pretty sure that there will be a lot of requirement for businesses to get legal advice uh, about how they proceed and navigate this. And that's where I think also, you know, having the business advice side. As well, because a lawyer that just tells you what the legal consequences are uh, is probably not quite as useful as someone who can say, "Well, the legal consequences is this," but but you know, as a business, you need to think about some other things as well.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your time and for telling us all about all of your different businesses.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, Lucy.
0: that's all from doing law differently today thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed the show i would love to ask two favors from you first please tell your friends if you know of someone who you think might enjoy listening to the podcast or might learn something from one of my guests i'd love it if you could share the episode with them and the other thing i would love to ask is if you're listening on apple podcasts please leave me a rating and review i love hearing what people think about the show and it really helps other people to find out about the podcast as well see you next time